from Reminder Media, this is Stay Paid, a sales and marketing podcast on a mission to help you close more deals and retain more business. Hosted by the VP of Marketing, Josh Stake, and Reminder Media's president, Luke Akery. So get ready to hear the golden nuggets that will allow you to live a life of freedom tomorrow, but only if you take action today. Welcome to another Silver Dollar episode of Stay Paid, the best sales and marketing tips of your week in 15 minutes or less. Luke, today we're going to be talking about, I think, what a lot of people struggle with, which is email response rates, right? How to actually get people to e- uh, reply to your emails. Getting past the clutter of the inbox continues to be a difficult challenge for most sales and marketers. With 121 business emails received every single day, it's no wonder that everyone is focused on how to get a response rate from their sales emails. Today, we're going to go over our top, let's see, four things that you can hack to get better response rates from your sales emails. Especially when the applications like Gmail has created the promotions tab, right? And the social tab and all this stuff, which is obviously good for the consumer, but it makes it that much hard for marketers. Now you say you look at your promotions tab. I rarely in Gmail will look at my promotions tab besides just deleting. I don't know, Ariel, do you look at your promotions tab? I do only when I'm looking for something specifically, because if I order, say I order something online, nine times out of 10, they'll see it's from Old Navy and they'll automatically put it in promotions. But that's the only time I ever look at it. I look at my promotions tab. I like a good deal. Yeah. Well, that's interesting you say that because I know one of our tips is talking about the subject I also look at it through a different lens of what are other people doing. (laughs) But I was reading up on this of like, how do you increase your open rates? And and there's companies out there, right? There's Neil Patel, where we had his buddy, Eric Sue, his partner in crime on that podcast. He wrote an article and he talked about how MailChimp did this study with 40 million emails and found that promotions do not do well. Yeah. Um, it's the mundane emails that do much oh, yeah, better, right? But I put a caveat there because it's interesting. Did you hear what Ariel just said? If she's looking specifically for a deal. So what I always tell people is like, if you have a relationship with the customer, like for us is a perfect example. When we come up on our Black Friday sale, it is heavy promotion and we do phenomenal on online sales with that those emails. But one of the things I think why is because throughout the year, We've done an incredible job of putting our brand out in front of them, giving value to them to build this relationship. So now when they get that promo, they're like, I yeah. know who this people, I I, tr- I like Old Navy. I want Old Navy clothes. Right. I'm going to you know, go on that discount. Now, you're so. spot on in terms of you. Uh, all of this is backed up with the overall value of the emails that you're providing on a daily basis. But this is really kind of digging into maybe four areas of your emails that you can kind of hack. And really when we say hack, we mean test consistently. Just try hacking these four little areas that you can uh, use some of these tips that we'll bring you and also, you know, do your own research. But these are the ones that are going to create the most uh, opportunity for responses. So the first one you mentioned is subject line. I think one of the biggest things that people miss uh, or try and do with their subject lines is they try and make them clever. And it's very important. We've learned this time and time again through our own testing that clear is going to be clever every single time. You want to be laser focused on what that email is about or personalized to the person receiving it so that they feel like you're speaking directly to them versus some sort of like clever headline. Yeah, I mean, I'll give you a real world example. A, A headline that we've used in the that we have used in the past. And it's because like as writers and as marketers, you fall in love with this stuff. But we've said like April's April seeds bring May leads, right? (laughs) And then we would promote our spring edition of the magazine and we would get very low open rates or click-through rates on that versus we've changed that to say, hi, 
a Luke customized sample for the spring market. Yeah. Here's your customized sample for the spring market. Yeah. And it's like that right there, not only are you bringing your name in, which does increase the open rate, I think by 18%, um, you're also then giving them exactly what they're getting. And it's the value. You're pre pre uh, presenting the value right there. I'm going to get a customized sample for the spring yeah, market. Yeah, no, it's very, very clear. Like I think about this, like one of the best tactics in marketing is to put yourself in the consumer's shoes yeah. because you are a consumer. So think about your own inbox. Think about the emails and the subject lines that resonate with you. It's either personal, like I've heard stats, even of changing, making sure it's not coming from a company, it's coming from a person, mm -hmm. right? It's going to increase oh, your open rates. Name. Yep. So yeah. I know we send a lot of emails now from me, Luke at Reminder Media versus like- Just Reminder Media. Just Reminder Media and stuff yeah. like that. But it's really about just like, what are the emails that you would open? Some of the things that I was looking up and reading when I was looking at this is asking a question in your subject line can be popular, um, uh, doing a teaser, something like a cliffhanger is what they call it, can yep. be really popular if you can somehow... Now, that's borderline on the clever side, but you've got it, like, if you can get people wanting to see what the next thing is from that cliffhanger. Well, our, our mar marketing director put it great the other day as I was just on the phone with him and he was kind of talking through, hey, how he's, how he's working with the team right now and writing emails and explaining, like, if the value is in the email, in the, yeah. in the medium that you're sending, if the value is meant to be in that email, well, then, yeah, you want to be very explanatory. You want to be complete and comprehensive in what you're providing. But if the value is not in the email, and the value is in the phone call or the value is on the landing page or the value is in the thing that you're trying to get them to download, that's where you want the cliffhanger. Yep. That's where you want to leave them wanting more so that they ultimately go to that thing that's going to deliver the value. Russell Brunson has done this to me a couple of times and, and other people probably have too. It's like he, and now this is our world that we're in. He's a marketer with podcasts and different educational content. He has apologized in yeah. his emails yeah. to us. Like I made a huge mistake, right? Yeah. And it's maybe not exactly that, generic, but he's put in his email something like, I'm really sorry. I can't believe I did this type thing. And that's a cliffhanger. You're mm -hmm. like, well, what are you apologizing for? Yeah. And you open the email to see. Yeah. Now, all of this, like I really believe like all of this doesn't work very well if you're just mass blasting. It works when you curate and we'll get to that when you curate a list. Yeah. But another thing that I've seen is popular is like an announcement people can do an announcement or like, a, you know how you have listicles and blogs? Yep. I find myself opening list. Okay. Like, like three five th things. Yeah, five yeah. things. I find myself doing this for Grant Cardone stuff all the time. Because yeah. like, it tells you what you're going to get. It tells yeah. you how much time you it's really very need clear. to invest. Exactly. Another great subject line. I have to mention this one because uh, if you've ever read the book, Never Split the Difference, it's written by Chris Voss. He's mm. uh, the FBI negotiator. Yeah, he He's like yep. a famous negotiator. He's, uh, I think his Instagram is at the FBI nego negotiator. He says the guaranteed fail-proof email is a simple, no-oriented question where it just says, you know, dear Luke, have you decided to give up on X. Yeah, that's great. And I actually was, I had this email used against me recently. We're working with a company uh, and Ryan, I know if you're listening, you use this email to me, but basically said like, is this project dead? I'm like, well, no, it's not dead. I just haven't had time to respond. So what happened? We ended up getting on a call. Then we got on another call with our IT yeah. team and that project is now being moved forward because yeah. he used an email. Like yeah, that. a lot of our sales reps used to send stuff and we've refined it a little bit, but should I continue to follow up? Yeah. Should I continue to call you? Yeah. And a lot of people be like, no, <laughs> don't. <laughs> I've seen too, but this hasn't worked on me. I'm curious if this has worked on anybody else. I see a lot of sales reps now doing the ABC type options. They try to make it, hey, Luke, I know you're super busy. I've seen um, that too. It hasn't worked on me. It. it doesn't work with me. It's like, hey, Luke, I know you're super busy. Um, so I want to save you time. Just respond with the letter that uh, fits your scenario. A, 
still interested, continue to follow up. B, not interested at all. C, haven't had any time to look. Yeah. No, and 100%. I just, it doesn't, it's like if that curious, was a if, button, maybe. If you've used this in your emails, I want you to head on over to the YouTube video and leave it in the comments to yeah. see how the, how well this has worked because I've seen it a lot. It's never worked I'm on getting me. It We've a lot never tried days. it ourselves. Yeah. The second area that you really want to focus on when it comes to hacking your emails to success is the format. So the idea here would be to, if you're sending out sales emails, we've talked about this before. You hinted a little bit on it from the one-to-one kind of perspective, but you want to limit your design in sales-oriented emails. More images has proven to receive a greater decline in click-throughs. So something to think about when writing your emails. The other thing... um, that I would say from a formatting perspective is limit yourself to just text-based formatting. So bolding words, using italics, using capitals, using underlines, that's okay in moderation, especially if you're using it for uh, uh, statements that are particularly powerful Mm -hmm. and will catch people's attention because people are going to scan your emails the same way you scan a website, the same way that you're scanning your emails, the same way you're scanning your direct mail pieces. So don't send uh, an email all in the same format no uh, no modifiers or bold or formatting or anything like that and expect them to read every single word of it. You have to be incredible at copy to have a long form uh, email, yeah. I think, these days. Like um, we had Jacob McMillan, I think that's how you pronounce his last name, mm-hmm. on the show. And he's like a incredible copywriter and he talks about copy. So go check out that uh, episode. But in terms of writing a long form email, like I barely read emails anymore past the first paragraph and I will scan over it. So keeping them short. And this goes plays into that study that MailChimp's doing is like the more mundane, but what they mean by mundane is not boring, but the more it's just real. It's just like, this is a real human being that's written this. There's a real purpose here. And so stay away from like, A lot of people will talk to me about in their emails about their accolades. They'll talk to me about those things. It's not the place for it in in your emails. Now, we're going to talk about landing pages in a a coming up episode. And I think building your trust by showing social proof and that stuff on your landing page is good. But in your emails, to the point, don't try to sell very much. Literally just get to the point and be crystal clear on what you want me to do. The other formatting hack for emails, this translates over from web design too, is actually the shape of your email. So it's been proven, they've done this through like eye tests, that people read in an F shape online. So hmm. what that means is they will read the top completely across the page pretty much. They'll give kind of that first sentence, all of that effort. Then they'll go a little bit into the next line. Then they'll go further into the third or fourth That's line. So crazy. And then they'll just basically scroll down and scan for things that really appeal to them. So when you're writing your emails, and I've seen our own marketing director writes emails like this. That's why I know that it works. But basically like that first statement is powerful, a little bit longer, not paragraph, but it's a, yep. it's a longer sentence. And then it's, you know, one example was yep. like your brother. We use your brother as a story. And so one of like the second sample was, my brother, I convinced my brother to quit real estate. Yep. Then it's a little bit more information. And then it's, and you can see how to use this system as well. And just shorter, shorter as you kind of work yep. down the page. That's another thing to kind of think about when it comes to It'd the shape of the emails. It'd be interesting if we could put that on the, on the show notes page. If we could grab a screenshot yeah. of yeah, that definitely. copy of that email and show people kind of an email that we've done that's worked. Definitely easy. But short, easy sentences are really important in that as well. The next thing that you want to really test is your call to action. So the idea here being that you only have one call to action when sending an email. That doesn't mean that you can't have multiple links. 
But each one of those links should support or go to the same thing that you want that email to provide. So if you're sending out an email and you want to schedule a call, your call to action button at the bottom, you do want to include a button. So the one caveat to that formatting thing is making sure to use a button because it actually increases click-through rates by 28%. So your copy is all text-based, but then you actually want to have a button. But it makes sense. A link feels like it could be spam. Sure, People yeah. are so conditioned for phishing spam that they they ignore links. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you do want to go through and probably link out because multiple links in an email has been proven in some scenarios to increase click-through rates. I've read studies where it says it doesn't. I've read studies well, where it says it does. That, but this that's is- where you want to test yours. But make sure that you're linking. When you are linking out, you're not linking to an article over here. Yeah. If you want them to schedule a uh, uh, an appointment with you now, that should be your main call to action. So any other links, like let's say in your copy, you're saying, would love to set up a call highlight, set up a call and make that a link to schedule your appointment. I love that. I was going to say that like Jeff, who's been our number one salesperson for like 18 years, one of the things he does and he calls high-end um, relationships for us, right? And he calls, you know, uh, does sales calls for us. He puts in a lot of links in his emails and he gets really good response from these broker owners and these managers out there. So I don't know. I mean, that makes just a ton of person. sense in that, in that scenario because what's Jeff trying to do with that? Yeah, he was, he's trying to build trust. Yeah, correct. He's, he's trying just to trying to build trust and credibility with the people that we're speaking to because they're then going to then go and represent us to their agents as well. So yep. it's a great tactic there. Yep. The next thing that we would recommend doing, this was kind of obvious, but again, so many people miss it. And this is where like your hacks really kind of come into play is the uh, making your emails mobile friendly. So what we mean on that is on the iPhone, when you're looking at an email subject, you're only going to see about 30 characters. Mm. So when writing out the subjects of your emails, make sure you're counting those first 30 characters to make sure that you're getting everything great in hack. there and you're not leading the hook at the end of the sentence, as well as pre-header text. I think pre-header text is more valuable on mobile because it's so much clearer than whenever I'm sitting on the desktop. And I actually, I don't know if you've if you've experienced this as well, I will browse the pre-header text on email before I decide whether to swipe 100%, or not. Yeah. On desktop, I'm just click, you know, I'm clicking delete yep. as I go through my inbox. But on e- on the mobile, I'm actually you looking. You swipe. Yeah, before I choose yep. to swipe or not. I think that plays a big role. Um, how uh, Do you know the statistics? How many people are reading their emails through mobile versus desktop? I don't. Forty-two uh, percent of all emails are opened on mobile. Okay, or open on mobile, which so. sounds low to me, but I guess yeah. maybe the open stat is the important part there. Meaning, yeah. people might be checking their email more on mobile. But I don't like to respond to email on mobile. Like, I don't know why. I don't know if it's because the lack of spell, self check and stuff. Yeah, but maybe because we're we're, old. Old. we're almost middle aged, as they say. I'll wait yeah. till I get back to my <laughs> desk to respond to that one. But but meaning, like, I don't find myself self responding, but I find myself cleaning on my mobile. I'm constantly cleaning um, from that standpoint. So I agree with you. I think you read the subject line, the first sentence, if it doesn't catch it, boom, you're done. Biggest thing takeaway here though is test, test, test. Make sure that you're sending out A-B tests. If you're using software that gives you the option, uh, use use that software to A-B test your headlines, your subjects. Make sure you're only uh, testing one thing at a time. So I want to point that out. If you are A-B testing emails, only test the subject. Then use the same subject, but only test the design. Then use the same design, but only test the call to action button. If you're not using software that allows you to do an A-B test, it's simple. Take half your audience, send them one version of your email, set up a second email, changing one variable, send that to the second half. The software that allows you to do it will actually send like a, a list or an email send to like 20% 
Then it'll wait 24 hours. It'll choose the winner and then automatically yeah. send them the winning. We use what Marketo for this is what yeah. we use. Yeah, but MailChimp lets you do it. Um, yeah. There's lots of HubSpot. There's a ton of them out yeah. there. That way you should do that. So there you go. There are the four hacks for your email marketing to get better response rates. Thank you so much for listening. You can head on over to statepaidpodcast.com for the show notes. We'll also make sure to include uh, a screenshot or a couple samples of our emails just so you can check them out, see what you think. Make sure to comment on the video uh, for the YouTube uh, for the for the YouTube, comment <laughs> on the YouTube. Uh, what emails? What email tips you've received? Also, do you have you ever used that multiple choice email style? Yeah, Let us know if that's if you use that networks for you. To support the show, we'd love it if you take a minute to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five star review and a comment to let us know how we're doing. And the best way to support the show is to share with a friend, share on your social media. Um, I have uh, so. I buy pens. I'm kind of a pen nerd. Yeah. Right. I buy pens from like You Japan. were given a gift of a pen by somebody one time that was like a $300 or $200 pen. Yeah, it was. Was it Mont Blanc or Mont something? Mont Blanc. Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, <laughs> actually, it's actually kind of funny. I shouldn't say it, but I don't like that pen. Like it, it doesn't write very nice, but it's very pretty. It's a, it's a $300 pen, but yeah, it no, doesn't write very It's very, very nice. beautiful, but I've ordered so many different replacement ink cartridges for it and I can't get any one that I actually like. I'm actually very particular with my pens. I buy them from Japan because Japan has like, they have like finer Pins, Just so pens. the audience knows, I, I never knew this about Josh. Yeah. Like, yeah. So like if wild. you walk into a Staples or a big box store, like you're lucky to get below a millimeter. Like most millimeters, probably like the finest that your pens will go. Some, they go down to the 0.8 millimeter, which is nice sometimes. But you go into like, you order from Japan, right? And you can get down as like the 0.04 millimeter. You get the 0.038. Man, the got it going on. Millimeter fine writing. Yeah. So I actually bought a pen recently that can write underwater. Yeah. Really? It can write other words too. But can... <laughs> can also write Your underwater. Your jokes are unreal. Everything before that was true, folks. So if you're a pen nerd like me, please comment. You on never that. know. Did you, you never really know. buy your pins from Japan? Though? I do. Yeah, it's called jetpens.com. That the I did not know. I was about just going to say, you, you never pens, know but... whatever you're about to say because you can tell as soon as you finish that outro, he, it's immediately going into the dad joke. But you have no voice. idea how much is true and how much is just a setup for the dad yeah, joke. Yeah, there's a blog that I follow, penaddict.com. So you can you can fellow pen addicts out there. <laughs> if you want to get a hold of me or Luke, uh, or maybe look at some pictures of our pens, you can. <laughs> Follow us on Instagram. We are at Stay Paid Podcast. And of course, you can check out Luke has no pins, by the way. <laughs> Reminder Media as well. We are at Reminder Media on every platform. For this episode of Stay Paid, I'm Joshua Stike. I'm Luke Acre. That just sounded naughty. If you want to look at our <laughs> pins, I'm just like, what, what the heck are you talking about? I was trying to scoodle and pass that one. <laughs> He's just trying to let it go. Ariel's like, oh, I can't even now. Okay, here's your action item go and look at pictures of Josh and I's pins on our website, penaddicts.com. No, this is your true action item. Personalize your subject lines. That's an easy, easy thing that you can start doing. Take a look at your emails and see how can I personalize these subject lines? Can I put a first name in the subject line and then track the open rates? I'd be curious if you're sending a weekly newsletter, I'd be curious if you change it to where you put the person's first name in the subject line of who you're sending it to and what that does to your open rates. Because from some stuff I read, it can increase your open rates up to 35%. Now, I'm not sure if that's true or not, but I'd love for you to try it. I do know personalization can really, really help you in terms of getting open rates and increasing that. Remember this, the difference between a top producer and a mediocre producer in every single industry we work in, it's top producers take action. So take action on that today. 